Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. We are all entitled to sexual health, just as much as physical and mental health. We want to make it easier for folks to find resources. However they engage with us, there's no wrong door. So it's important that people are able to get access to care that is affirming. Talking about what their sex life is, about their concerns, and to make sure they're healthy. Do it for them. Do it for you, Montgomery County. Your sexual health matters. Visit doitforyoumc.org. Hey everyone, Scott Hansen here from NFL Red Zone. I hope you're checking out one hour of Five Yard Rush, one of the best podcasts on NFL football in the UK. Hey Rush Nation, it's part two of the Matchups podcast. I'm going to cover the remainder of the games from this week's schedule and do a quick review of last night's game. So if you haven't heard the score yet or want to wait and watch the game later, skip ahead about a minute to get to the matchups. Thursday night football has come and gone and the Bears came out as 2019 winners and it was a stout battle. Sorry, Tom, we can't bury the Bears just yet. And for me, it was a classic example of where a team's poor discipline can cost them a game. The book's 11 penalties gave 109 yards, including several vital ones that overturned some first town gains. There was a key Tampa drive in the third quarter with them 16-14 up. And there were four offensive penalties in a row that ultimately meant the Bucks had the punt, one of which I believe included a headbutt. Tom Brady did not look happy about this at all. But you have to give it to the Bears' defence. That recovered fumble at the end of the first helped get the offence in range to score the touchdown. And they really amped up the pressure in the second half, allowing Tampa only six points after half-time. Rojo got another 100-yard rushing game with some solid carries, but Tom Brady only managed to get one touchdown. Still, he didn't get intercepted, so that does break his streak for the year. As for Gronk, he did get 59 yards off three catches and had another one pulled back after a penalty, but sadly, 
Gronk season will have to wait for another week. David Montgomery was kept quiet in terms of yardage, but his rushing touchdown will have boosted those points somewhat. Alan Robinson got the yards, but not the touchdown. He saw 16 targets in this game, though, so that's a solid connection to keep an eye on in future weeks. And Jimmy Graham did end up bagging another touchdown with a one-handed grab. He's clearly still got it. So, with Thursday night in the bag, we will quickly cover some of the other news that has come out. The Broncos-Patriots match has been moved to Monday Night Football. So, that's now a double header with the Saints and Chargers. And the Bills-Titan game is now playing on Tuesday night, if there are no more coronavirus tests coming back positive on the Tennessee side. This game is still in the balance, so make sure you're watching out for the status of the match this weekend. With that all done... Let's continue to the second part of Sunday's games and the Monday night doubleheader. So the middle match of the Sunday schedule is the Dolphins at the Niners. Those expecting two a time will have to wait a little longer. The Dolphins announced it's going to be Fitzpatrick starting this match. I have him as a mid-range QB2, likely passing back into the game. The difficulties that many running backs will have with the San Francisco rush defence is going to continue this week. Miles Gaskin is my highest Dolphins running back, and that's at the low end of RB3. If Breeder and Howard haven't been fades for you before this, then they most certainly are. There are much better backup options on the way of the wire. A lot of people asking about when Preston Williams is going to break out. This could be his breakout game. He's down as a wide receiver too for me. Devontae Parker will be the receiver being covered, so I feel it's going to be Isaiah Ford or Williams that gets the look and gets the success. Mike Gesicki, he's been a bit of a boom-bust player recently, and I think that he's going to be getting a lot of looks this week, as I don't see it being as close as the Seahawks game. I've actually got him down as my tight end 11 this week. Good news for Niners fans, Jimmy G is back at training, which has to be the best news for the offense. Both backup quarterbacks were fades this week for me. So if they do play, keep them out of the lineup. I've got high hopes for Jarek McKinnon if Jimmy G does play and higher hopes if he has the backups playing at QB. He's my running back 11 this week. I still think that the Niners can get themselves into a lead, but McKinnon has also been used as the short option for the pass. He got eight targets against the Eagles because he was an easy target for Mullins and um, Bitted. If he gets this volume again, then it's ceiling city for Jerick. Jeff Wilson remains just a red zone prospect, so should only really be considered as a last resort flex play. However, I really hope that the Niners take more advantage of their rushing receivers this week, as the Dolphins are weakest to the left side of the offensive line. As a result, I've got Debo and Ayuk both at wide receiver two stats with some serious rushing upside. I think I wasn't the only one to say it was glorious to see George Kittle return to the field and he got a boatload of targets for his trouble. He's got a good connection with Jimmy G, but he was another easy option for those backups. He's my overall tight end one this week. Another mammoth performance is coming. On to the Colts at Browns, and the Vegas line is currently in favour of the Colts winning the game. Indianapolis minus 1.5, and I'm questioning whether or not they watched the Browns game and the Colts game last week. Sure, Chubb got injured, but the replacements tore the Cowboys apart. I'm favouring the Browns to win this one and go 4-1. and one. The over-under is 46, 
And I feel this will be an under because the Colts just cannot score points as it stands. For me, Rivers is a QB three this week and is the second worst QB that I've got on my list. It does look like he's running out of steam. Throws seem to be a chore for him and he has no movement whatsoever. And this mean Browns defense is a different prospect to who he's faced so far. I believe he's in for a tough time in that pocket if the Browns rush gets through. Jonathan Taylor, for me, doesn't really fare that much better. He's about RB2. And after the unfortunate Marlon Mack injury in week one, it did look like the backfield could have been his. But that clearly isn't the case. His loads are getting split between him, Wilkins and Hines. While the carries might not be as much as expected previously, the Colts will be passing way back into the game. So I think that Hines and Taylor actually get more luck than Wilkins. In terms of other passing options, Indy's options at wide are looking slim. Zach Pascal has been a favourite to take off the waiver wire, so offers some flex possibilities. But T.Y. Hilton is my top Colt receiver with wide receiver two numbers, but he will also be the defence's number one target this week. Moali Cox should be a start if you're missing one of your top tier tight ends. He's big strong. He's a favoured target of Philip Rivers in the end zone. However, his volume has been up and down, so it could all depend on whether he is looked at further away from the opponent's 20-yard line. The Browns are looking strong, and that three-game win streak is more than deserved. I saw a little bit of Baker Swagger returning in the Cincy game week two, and that looks to have spurred him on. Controversially for some, he is down as my QB8 this week. Jarvis Landry and Odell Beckham seem to be the only two wide receivers that are getting the ball. They have nearly 50% target share between them. Landry's completion ratio is currently 17 of 19 targets, which is 89%. So if Baker is looking for accuracy, then Landry seems to be the guy. Both of them are at wide receiver two numbers this week, but Odell clearly has the upside going for him. I imagine that Beckham is a surefire start for your team this week, but Landry is someone to make up some points if you haven't got a wide receiver one available. Nick Chubb will have been a huge loss to many fantasy owners, and hopefully people spend their fantasy dollars picking up a replacement in Dennis Johnson. My rankings have him as an RB2 this week, filling him at Kareem Hunt's role as the usual backup. Hunt should have been lead back role for the foreseeable. He has played the lead role before, not just here, but at the Chiefs. Three years ago, he put up a 1,300-yard season with eight touchdowns. And he's actually seen a better average yards per carry this year than in 2017. And he has rushed himself up the charts this week. I have him as second in my RB rankings. My thoughts that the uh, game script heavily leans on the run game later in the match. We've seen this happen several times. It takes the pressure off Baker and the running personnel just go to town. Brown's tight ends have been given 31 targets between them in four games. And when you take out Beckham and Landry, the remaining wide receivers have only been given seven. So that should tell you which way the targets have been going. The tight ends have also scored a touchdown in each of the last two games. And I expect this to continue. Austin Hooper is my tight end six this week and could be free in coverage if the defense moves to the wide receiver duo. But we should watch out for returning David Njoku as he has returned to practice. His impact in this game may determine whether he's worth picking up for next week. The Cowboys got turned over in the dog pound last week. They welcome the opportunity for an easier matchup in the Giants this week. The Vegas line is the Cowboys minus 9.5 and the over under is 54. 
For the Giants' fantasy value, Daniel Jones has a QB2 ceiling, but a very low floor, so it's a risk to play him unless you have to. Cowboys' defense lacked any get-up-and-go and rank among the worst teams for defending against quarterbacks and wide receivers. However, the Giants' O-line was slow to start up against the Rams, and Jones was sacked multiple times very early on. There's a battle for the bottom on both sides here, and I wouldn't want to take the chance with Jones. Like Jones, Devonta Freeman has a shot against a bad defense to get RB2 numbers. I just don't trust the O-line to give him the space. Lewis and Gorman aren't able to get the touches because the Giants are playing from behind. There's upside for Lewis in the Pats catching side of things. Gorman hasn't been targeted at all yet, so I wouldn't count him in there. Wide receiver performance, all dependent on whether Jones can be given the time to make those passes. I have Golden Tate down as wide receiver three and Slayton down as a wide receiver three as well, but they are risky plays. At the tight end, Evan Ingram has been seeing plenty of volume with those shallower passes, and if the pressure is on, he could continue to be that easy option for when Jones gets pressured. He's down as my tight end at eight for this week. Caden Smith features a lot further down at tight end three tier. The Cowboys may find this an easier game to play on the defensive side of the ball, but they may find more of a challenge with the Giants' defense. The Giants have been surprisingly shrewd when it comes to giving away fantasy points to the quarterback, but even so, I have Dak continuing to impress as my QB3 overall this week. He has shown that he can make the plays, and his starting wide receiver group could be the healthiest in the NFL. Of course, it helps having a player like Zeke Elliott alongside him. That can't be too bad either. Zeke didn't make as much of an impact in the last two games because of them playing from behind, but the Giants offer a different playing field. And a large volume should offer bigger yards and a big week for Zeke. If you add on his inclusion as one of Dak's many options in the passing game, he adds up as the running back three overall for this week. It's a good comeback week for Ezekiel Elite. Like I said, wide receivers are plentiful this week. Amari Cooper has seen the most targets of any offensive player in the NFL as of Thursday, with 51 targets in four games. Although I feel that this rate may slow down this week, that favoritism that he seems to be getting will no doubt help him when the pass numbers drop. Even though I feel that Zeke will get more love on the ground game this week, there's still enough plays for Omari to come out as a top three wide receiver. Michael Gallup seems to be a very hit or miss player due to his use as a deep threat. I think that the targets move close to the line of scrimmage as the Cowboys will want to keep the clock moving when they get in front. As for this, I offer C.D. Lamb as a strong candidate to be getting those targets. I feel Lamb will get a lot of cover here, but he has justified this with some good catch and run moves so far this season. I have him as a wide receiver three tier with big upside. Gallup is around the same area if he can connect with one of those deep balls. Cedric Wilson may not feature, but he is a boom-bust option if there's absolutely no one else. Schultz is a Titan 3 for me this week. He has been used when Dak has been playing from behind, where defences have expected big throws, but I'm wondering whether or not he gets as much love when the Cowboys are ahead. The Vikings play the Seahawks in Sunday's late game. The Vegas line is Seattle at minus 7, and the over-under is 57.5. The first Vikings player I want to talk about is Dalvin Cook. He's my fifth overall running back this week. He is a big bonus for anyone who drafted him and is a surefire lock week in, week out. Alexander Matteson did score last week, but the only reason he saw the look was because Dalvin Cook was dazed slightly on a run. 
Normally, Cook is the red zone man, and it will be the same this week. Cousins is a borderline QB2-3 at present. The balance wasn't right in the first two games. They got themselves in some sticky situations. And Cook's usage has actually increased, and that's helped them out a lot in the last two games. But what might help is that Seahawks have struggled in the secondary. They have the worst defense against wide receivers in the league. They've given away 500 yards more to wide receivers than the second worst team. So put that into comparison. That's 1,345 yards given away by the Seahawks to the Browns, 845, which is second worst. That includes yardage conceded against the Dolphins, by the way. For this reason, I've got Thielen continuing to click with Cousins and get wide receiver one numbers. Adam Thielen is seventh on my list this week. And on yardage alone, Justin Jefferson is a wide receiver two, and that's without a touchdown. The tight end battle at the Vikings looks to have been decided. And if you hoped it was Irv Smith, I'm sorry, you're on the wrong side. Kyle Rudolph is getting more looks and he's in the tight end two tier this week. Smith is a fade this week and maybe until later in the season, he is just not getting the usage. Seattle have a lot of players who look to continue their fine performances this week. I've got Russell Wilson continuing his push for MVP with a QB7 overall performance. And I have Chris Carson proving his doubt is wrong myself included, I'll hold my hands up, against a Minnesota defence rated 20th overall at giving RB fantasy points away. He may also find success in the past game, as this looks to be something he's actually developed well between the seasons. And the Seahawks might be the worst at giving away yards and fantasy points to wide receivers, but the Vikings aren't too far behind. They're in 29th place. Tyler Lockett is my 12th overall wide receiver, and Metcalf isn't too far behind either. There was a little bit of a hiccup when Wilson's accuracy to one of these receivers in week four went a little bit astray, but he will no doubt bounce back with some of these scarily accurate passes. Greg Olson is also my tight end seven this week. The Wiley vet has built up a great understanding with Wilson, no matter the game script, and seems to be getting plenty of targets his way. Long may that continue. Next, we have Stocks Boys, the Broncos, and they travel to the Patriots for the first half of the Monday night doubleheader. A few players to pick from the Denver side. In the best case scenario, Brett Ripien is down as a mid to low QB2. And even so, he's got limited options to throw to. He's going to have a tough job against those Pats on Monday. I'm likely to fade most of the wide receivers as well for this reason. And this is also where relying on the stats alone could get you into trouble. The Pats' defense against wide receivers might tempt you to start the Broncos' wide men here. Those stats tell us that the New England defense have conceded seven touchdowns to wide receivers in the first four games. But don't fall for it. Put it into context. Who has thrown those touchdowns? Russell Wilson has thrown four. Patrick Mahomes has thrown two. Elite quarterbacks. I mean, sure, Derek Carr has also thrown one to Hunter Renfro, but he is not in the same category as the first two. And neither is Brett Ripien. Only Jerry Judy offers me some fantasy value here because Ripien managed to get him a touchdown against the Jets. The news that Stephen Gilmore is out on the COVID list also helps his course slightly, but everyone else is a fade. The Pats' defence is too strong for the Broncos' pass game to succeed at a fantasy-relevant level this week. Melvin Gordon currently features on my list as an RB3. The Pats have proven very difficult to break down and are especially tough through the channels in the centre of the O-line. Gordon can move like a battering ram and is ranked 10th in volume of yards after contact. So he may be able to keep totting them up if he gets that volume. 
but this is where Cam Newton's unavailability and the depleted passing options may play into Gordon's hands. If Hoyer and Stidham can't complete drives on the other side, like last week, there's a likelihood of Denver getting more drives and more carries for Gordon. No offence, injury last Thursday will be a huge loss for the Denver Bass offence. Normal backup Nick Vanette is down as a tight end three, but I have Albert Okwed Bunem featuring as a surprising borderline tight end one, two. Albert is returning from an injury and only didn't play in the Thursday game due to a coach's decision. He's got a similar skill set and physicals to Fant and can be used as a red zone specialist. Plus, he did get noticed at the combine for how fast he was. He ran a 4.49 in Indy. With Denver running out of passing options, I would not be surprised to see them go with Albert O. As I've just said, it looks like Cam will be out for another week due to his COVID list. And so that leaves Hoyer and Stidham on backup duty once again. It's safe to say Hoyer didn't have a great game against the Chiefs, but the Broncos should be easier, though. Regardless, I have him down as a QB3 tier. The running back situation will be a mixed bag again. Huge backfield, but game script and quarterback abilities should give plenty of action to the group. The difficulty here is that Denvo have been relatively solid against running backs. They rank third best in fancy points, giving up to the position. And they've actually been quite efficient at stopping the run before it develops. Only 15 of 105 runs from opposing running backs have made it past eight yards. And that actually ranks in the top quarter of teams in the league. Nevertheless, there isn't this much depth to many other teams. Harris is likely to see the majority of the carries in Michelle's absence. I also think Hoyer will use White and Burkett as good outlets to build up confidence again. All three could reasonably sit around the RB2-3 region with touchdown-dependent upside. Julian Edelman is the best choice of all wide receivers. He's the one normally dropping in behind the defensive line to catch and run, and those short options could definitely be useful just to keep the downs turning over. Harry and Bird are further down the list, and I don't think they will be relevant for fantasy owners this week, and neither will be the tight ends. That fantasy relevance has disappeared since Gronk's departure. Ryan Izzo is the favoured tight end, but like I just said, he's not fantasy relevant. Finally, we have the second Monday match, the Los Angeles Chargers playing the Saints. The venue may be changing due to the threat of the nearby hurricane, but with restrictions on crowds anyway, I doubt that the loss of home field advantage will hurt the Saints. They are currently leading on the Vegas line. They are minus 7.5 and the over-under is 51. Let's talk about the Chargers first. Herbert is my QB 11 this week. He has been doing very well. He's played against some tough defences. And I would certainly say that the books, which he came away very well from, are more difficult than the Saints. In terms of running backs, this is the first game without Austin Eckler. And I'm fairly certain it will be Joshua Kelly with the lead role. He is currently ranking on the RB2 tier as it stands. Justin Jackson features lower down as an RB3. But this is the key one. Keenan Allen is my main option for this offense this week. He has built up a great connection with the rookie Herbert and has always been available when needed. His target share is 39% of all targets at the moment. And that is a huge number. So if his target floor continues to stay the same way, then he'll be getting huge numbers this week, huge yard numbers. And this will be no different. He is my wide receiver one overall this week. Finally, Hunter Henry comes in as my 10th overall tight end. Like Keenan Allen, Henry has been the uh, 
safety blanket for the quarterback. He's got the second highest numbers of targets in the team. He's just another good outlet to use. On the New Orleans side, I've got Breeze as a QB2. It does look like he's been struggling the last few weeks without Michael Thomas as his safety blanket. He's been intercepted a few times and looks to be struggling to get great distances with his throw, which is probably why he's been using Alvin Kamara as a target more often. With that in mind, Kamara is my top running back on the list this week. He has been dominant in Thomas's absence. Sure, Michael Thomas is due to return, but I think they'll ease him into it and use him as a decoy. So we should have at least another week of Kamara's current output. Thomas's return is good news for all, and he has wide receiver two upside at the moment. This could actually take coverage away from Emmanuel Sanders, so he has wide receiver two potential this week. Smith and Harris look to lose some value when Michael Thomas fully returns, and they will be touchdown dependent. In terms of tight ends, it's a fade until Cook returns. Adam Troutman and Josh Hill just haven't been getting the targets that you would expect. So until Cook comes back, tight ends for the Saints are a fade for me. So that brings us to the end of the matchup podcast part two. Any questions about starts and sits, contact the team on Twitter or Facebook. And as always, keep an eye on those lineups, especially if the Titans-Bills match doesn't go ahead. Keep yourself safe out there and enjoy the football. Until next time, Rush Nation, keep rushing. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.